sports story everyone's talking about today is just moments away. So call or text us right now at 573-875-KTGR and make your voice heard. This is The Big Show with Andy and Brendan on KTGR. Hey guys, it's me again from Florida. Have a good time down here. I'll try not to brag too much. Back here on The Big Show, Andy, Brendan, and producer Chris with you on this Wednesday. 875-KTGR to give us a call or a text. If you want to chime in on our ongoing conversation surrounding the college football playoff format update, they went to a new 5-plus-7 system, but now Pete Thamel saying that maybe 12 isn't enough. They nearly went to a number beyond 12. Does that mean that sometime soon they're going to? And I also want to talk about how Notre Dame fits into the current format. I think it's kind of interesting the perspective that uh, we can have on Notre Dame. And then later on, we'll talk a little Cardinals camp because uh, that's what I've been doing all week. 875-KTGR to give us a call or a text. Stay tuned, too, for Brian Smith, Mizzou Wrestling Coach at 545. But that's all well and good. We're going to enjoy all those things. But right now, we can't just do it yet because we got to do this. It's 5 o'clock. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on the Big Show. Number 1. You want to trade away for curtain number one? You can have curtain one. Well, same song, different verse for Mizzou basketball yesterday as they lost to Tennessee. And this time the verse included a four-letter word from one Dennis Gates. It says, we're bleep, quote, we're bleeping terrible at drawing fouls, end quote. And, uh, well, it's the first time I think we've ever heard Dennis Gates swear in any kind of setting. But uh, it certainly is uh, boiling up frustration, I would think. Uh, and look, Dennis Gates is a very even-keeled guy. He's not letting it you know, affect his demeanor or anything like that. But I think we're very clearly seeing a team that is frustrated that they still do not have a conference win. And they didn't get it last night against what would have, what is a top-five team would have been an excellent win to get as their first one of conference season, but still couldn't get it done despite having the lead towards uh, the middle portion of the second half. Number two. Number two. Your timing is impeccable. So the college football playoff format, of course, uh, finalized yesterday, and it's the 5-plus-7 as they expand to 12 teams. But Pete Thamel of ESPN reporting this just in the last hour says to his sources, the idea of a 14-team college football playoff was discussed by the management committee at meetings in the Dallas area today. If that happened, it would begin in 2026. Nothing is imminent, but it's significant this idea was discussed. Again, that from Pete Thamel of ESPN. Please stop. Let's see it for 12 teams once and then think about expansion. Come on. Number three. There's I really don't know what set Dan Hurley off uh, yesterday. Of course, his number one uh, UConn team lost to to Creighton and lost pretty decisively. Good win for Creighton, of course. But he wanted to fight fans in the stands afterward. Now he's sending out uh, tweets of a gif with his face on Cersei's face from Game of Thrones and says, see you Saturday. Like, all of a sudden, this Villanova game coming up is a revenge game. I have no idea if there's more context to this. But, man, something set Dan Hurley off pretty quickly. Number four. Four. Oh, Shank. So Antonio Pierce, new head coach for the Raiders, going on a podcast saying that they're now going to play Mahomes rules, kind of similar to Jordan rules, like the bad boy Pistons in the 80s used to do. You know, anytime you play Jordan, you know, try and rough him up some more. You know, give him a little more contact than he normally would any other player because he's got that respect. And now they're maybe trying to translate that to Mahomes. Just keep on giving that bowling to board material. That's all you need to do to the Chiefs. Come on now. Number five. What is the five? 
I didn't think of this as a karaoke strategy, but Brendan brought it up today. Ask the DJ, hey, what can I sing for you? That's the Big Show's Top 5 at 5 on KTGR. It's 7-5 KTGR if you want to call or text us. You know, when you're just comfortable enough in your own abilities out there on the on the stage, you... You could get into that mode where you, yeah, you can what if, just think uh, about the best of the crowd and what do I need to be singing for everybody else around me? But what if it was like a really hard song to sing and then I you mean, all like, of a sudden are up a creek without a paddle? I mean, I could have told got... him no, probably. Okay. Like, I, I asked this before and then I said, okay, yeah, I'll do that one. I was kind of already thinking about Friends in Low Places anyway, so it worked right. out. But, uh, yeah, that's Is all. Is there any, uh, do you think anybody out there just goes up to the, to the DJ and says, surprise me? Uh, probably people do. I've had it happen before where I've been told, you're up to sing, and I was like, I didn't put myself on the list, and they said, you're up anyway. Oh, because and somebody I, else put your name in or something like that. Well, it was it was a um, it was a bachelor party where, let's just say, I was out in the parking lot tending, ah. to, a, tending to a friend, and um, I, was, I had sang already. And the DJ was like, I need this guy back in here to get this party going. And so she just kind of threw me back in the rotation. And I didn't know what I was singing, but it was a song I knew, so we went with it. Okay. Wow. (laughs) They needed you for the energy somehow. That's what I like to think. It it gives me good pleasure to think that. All right. So maybe maybe that was the truth. Maybe it wasn't. But for Brendan's side of the story. In my world, baby. In my world, it was. Of course. 875-KTGR. Call or text us. Okay, so we were talking college football playoff format yesterday, but now, uh, I mean, there's still more reason to go over it, and, and they were meeting about it today in Dallas, the management committee, and apparently, according to Pete Thamel, some people think 12's not enough. Some people think, oh, 14 teams. What about that idea? Could we throw that out there? Even before we've even tried this out, as a 12-team bracket. We don't even know how to feel about it yet. We don't even know how to play out. I mean, we're already talking about expanding it again. What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough money for you people in the world? I know there's not. Don't answer that question. But, man, Brendan, we're already talking about 14. And that would not make sense to me. You know, I like 12. I've always liked 12. I think it's a good situation, but I guess I was also thinking about that under the current or the previous format, rather, with the Pac-12 existing. I don't know that the the Pac-12 dissolving changes all that much about it. I don't love the fact that the the teams that win the four conferences are automatically getting a a buy because I don't think most years you're going to see the ACC champ and the Big 12 champ automatically on par with the other two. So I would wonder if you did a 14-team format, which is the NFL playoffs are 14, right? That would be at least something semi-comparable. Don't think about it in terms of the divisions or whatever, but they're 14 teams, and two of them get buys. So if they're going to propose a system that sees a buy for only the SEC and Big Ten champs, I would say that probably makes sense, actually, and the rest can be you know slotted in appropriately. But, yeah, I, I like the idea of 12. I think it's a good... Round number, I wish they would play everything prior to the Final Four at home sites. I think that would be the one change they could make. But you know what's going to happen inevitably. They're going to continue to build this thing up. 
and expand it because it does mean more money. It's the same reason that as we got the caller earlier on about the NCAA tournament, it's going to eventually expand to it's a money grab, and that's it's just inevitable. It doesn't really matter what sport you're talking about. You can assume that expansion will continue to take place. I agree with you, though. I'd like to see a few years of the 12-teamer before deciding that we hate it, you know? Well, and there's symmetry to it, right? Because, and look, we're it according to Thamble's tweet, if that happened, it would begin in 2026. We would see the 12 team, but we wouldn't get a chance to actually have a sample size of what it, uh, of how it affects the game, of how teams respond to it, or anything like that. We got a decade's worth of the four team, and we decided that 12 was necessary. So, like, if you, in 10 years, if you think 14's necessary, fine, I'll listen to it. But yeah. we haven't even seen it. Sure. I don't know about 10 years. I definitely think a few years of actually having it play out would be better than just making a decision to say, hey, we're going to 12 this year, and in two years, 14. Like, that's not really putting the game at the center of, of our attention and, and our, best, our best interests, right? Because we're just doing it based on other factors, probably money, but these other factors that we are prioritizing rather than, yeah, how does a, an expanded playoff impact the game before saying let's expand it further? I couldn't agree with you more. I think that would be nice. It would be an idealistic world to see it go that way. But we don't live in that world. We live in the world where money is going to rule the day, and so they'll do whatever it is that they want to do, especially if it makes the most money. It's wonderful, right? We love this world. It's 75KTGR if you want to call or text us with your thoughts on it. Uh, college football playoff expanding to 12, of course, and they decided on the 5-plus-7 qualification model. Now they're talking about 14. Oh, goodness. Uh, Old Jay here on the KTGR hotline. Old Jay, what's up? Well, first off, what is this news? I don't call for a couple days, and all hell breaks loose. What's this all about? I know, right? We're <laughs> your your first uh, call of the week, and yeah, lots happened, old Jay. Yeah. Um. So on that note, I wish her the best. Uh, you know, the truth behind it, I don't know it. I just whatever it's happened. Let's move on. Um. Second of all, I do not normally condone swearing during press conferences, but I think it was a bit warranted, and, hey, it kind of puts the rest of the team on notice, like, wait, what did he just say? So, yeah. yeah. And as far as this 12, okay, so, like, five up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, OJ, yeah, sorry, OJ. Oh, man, he was about to He was, was going. About he was to a, get really going to give us a yeah. great point, but yeah, he's sorry, gonna, the tunnel's he's got to stop calling from that tunnel. Yeah, sorry, OJ. Um, I'm sure. Reception gets a little better I'm sure there. we'll get him back at yeah, some point. Yeah, at some point he'll get to uh, the next tower. Um, all right. I, again, just, why are we messing? We don't even know if this is a good thing yet, so we don't even know if we're, if we're messing with a good thing or messing with a bad thing and. That's where I come down. I think it's probably a good thing, but I just here's a great number for a playoff. I've always thought twelve would be good, and I would like to see it a little bit before we decide to change that. Again, you keep the the bowls intact of the New Year's Six, which I really don't care about, but I see the symmetry of it. It fits into the quarterfinals. It fits into the semifinals. You still get your national championship wherever site you want to get it, and then you evolve the the home sites, but. Man, I don't know. We're gonna give Old Jay another chance here. All right, Old Jay, uh, back with us. All right, your take on the uh, on the fourteen teams or uh, okay, potential so, fourteen teams, I should say. Now, can I just laugh if the next five out of six years it's still number one versus number two? 
That's what I actually end up thinking is going to happen. It's going to be one of the top four teams. It's always going to be the top four teams. And as much as they try to expand it, you're, number one, you're always going to make either the 13th team mad or the 15th team mad. You're always going to make someone mad. Honestly, I mean, how many how many years has it not been one versus two? Not many. And yeah. I, I honestly, I think it's just getting ridiculous. We should just stick. Honestly, just let's just go back to the BCS because honestly, as much as people don't want to admit it, it kind of worked most of the years. I mean, the thing is, the system it, it probably did appreciate the call, OJ, here on the Big Show KTGR. Like I under. The way that you select the rankings, I understand where it can make sense to have it be selected that way. It was just, I, I think people were maybe more upset, and I'm try, upset with it only being two teams, right? You want two more. is not enough when it's a right? subjective system, right? Like yeah. that's the problem. There's going to be years where there are three undefeateds, and how do you decide when the schedules are comparable, et cetera? It absolutely needs to be more than two. I will always push against the idea that it should be like back to BCS rules. I'm going to stand by 12 being pretty good, personally. Well, 12 is good, right? Uh, but what we're saying is that are we better with having humans in the room deciding everything mm. instead of having there being an objective arm that we use to decide this, which is essentially the computers that decided a lot of it in the BCS? Yeah, I like the human element of it. I think, but there was a human element to the to the BCS ranking also because you were taking ranking systems. And... Yeah, but I I don't know. I like being able to know who to blame when the when the decision <laughs> is right or wrong. Like before, it was. But I mean, if it's nobody, then then should there be anyone to blame? That's the thing. No, that's but that's what made people so mad because there was a formula and it was like, how do we trust these nerds to come up with the right form? Like somebody had to make the formula to tell us what to value, I think a committee is a is a good, positive thing. I think, honestly, I think a committee, for only, if it were only two, I think that would be a problem. But to me, I like the committee when it's when it's 12, because, again, we're, we're delineating between the 12th most deserving and the 13th most deserving, or whether I guess it's the 11th and the 12th, because we know that there's going to be yeah. a, a group of five-and-a-half angle on this that also gets included in the playoff automatically. So, yeah, I don't mind the committee. I really don't. And I, I think, again, you're going to find that it's going to work really well. Last year, this past season, what happened, I know everybody's crying about Florida State. Andy was. But I think that it happened because it was the last year of the 14 playoff, and the committee knew that Florida State in its current form would not be among the team's most competitive to compete for a national championship. And so they they said, our uh, our hands are clean of this after this anyway because the whole format's going to change. And so they did what they did. I think now everybody going into the 12-team format is going to do a pretty good job. And the, the, we're, we're going to have the decisions that are on that cut line are going to be, yeah, there's going to be like one team that goes, we were deserving. But again, you'll be able to look at it and say, shouldn't have lost two games. Well, yeah, exactly. That, that'll be it. Uh, to old Jay's point, six times out of the 10 years that we've had the 14 college football playoff that it wasn't one versus two. So it happened four times out of ten that it was just one versus two advancing. But there were there were technically more instances where both one and two were not in the uh yeah. either one or two were not in and, the uh the, the championship game. And now we're gonna get even more of an opportunity to see shakeups happen because yeah. 
that that ten, you don't know what the tenth team. Maybe they do what Alabama did toward the beginning of the year, and they lose to Texas, and you're like, man, Alabama, like they're deserving, and they end up again because in in this past year, people said, well, Alabama, you know, is not as deserving as Florida State because they, you know, lost the game to Texas, and Texas should have. There won't be those conversations. Those teams are all in the same bucket, all capable of beating one another in theory. Mm. And so sometimes I think you'll see some upsets happen. You don't think one was more capable? Like, Chris, I'm talking about, like, that four through six region where you had sort of Alabama, Texas, Florida State, Georgia. I thought all those teams were pretty much capable of beating one another with the exception of Florida State who couldn't beat anybody. And so you may have some things that are topsy-turvy instead of just one and two every year. I'm just thinking of like a generic ballot of a 1 through 12 where there is a very clear hierarchy. You've got your Georgias, your Alabamas, your Michigans, and your Ohio States. That is probably going to be your top four for the next like five years or so, barring some kind of disaster. How much do we really think anyone from the 5 through 12 spot is going to have a serious fighting chance against any of those four teams? I mean, we saw what happened when, you know, you had a wild card like TCU, you know, beat the Oz and beat Michigan and end up going to the national title game. An amazing season. But we only remember that national title game, right, where they got pummeled by Georgia, right? We yeah, saw what happened like when a Cincinnati team who kind of overcame the odds and did, you know, checked off all the boxes yeah. ended up going to the college well, football playoff, and they just kind of got swamped by Alabama. So, look, we talked about this yesterday of how the five is very interesting, right? Because you get – you're the best at-large team, and you're automatically in the five. Because, Producer Chris, the Big 12 is the three seed, the ACC is the four seed. Right. Like, they're, there they're can't automatically be two getting SEC, into, yeah. There won't be two SEC teams that get a bye. Right. Which, which I don't know if that ultimately changes your point. It'll just be the case that that number five seeded Georgia, because maybe they lost out on the SEC championship, they're now going to get to host Liberty or SMU, and they're going to thump them because it's going to be a home game, and because it's Georgia against Liberty. And then you're going to see Georgia not have to go to whatever ACC champion, Big 12 champion, was the number four in a given year. Georgia has to play that team at a neutral site, and so they probably end up in the Final Four anyway. But I do think there is some utility to letting every team know, like, look, these are the opportunities before you. Yes, we may end up with the same result, but at least we we don't just have to assume it anymore. We can see it play out on the field, which I appreciate. Yeah, and it also leads us kind of to this other discussion point, which we completely whiffed on yesterday. Yeah, this was something that was brought up in the Cardinals clubhouse. Yeah. Just talking idly, uh, and I thought, that's actually a really good point. How about Notre Dame? Because we talked about the top four teams are going to be the four conference champions from the the big four. Right. Notre Dame's not in a conference. What if they go undefeated, Andy? They can't be in the top four if they go undefeated. Right. Unless I'm missing a caveat. Yeah. That's, I think that's right. That's right. They cannot be any higher than five. Does not matter how well they do with their schedule, and they usually schedule tough. But doesn't matter how well they how well they do, can't be higher than five under this current format. How much say do you think they had in this format? Because they, well, here's the thing: always it's, its own entity, right? Here's like, what it is. You either take it. Which do you want? Take it or leave it. Do you want the buy or do you want the extra TV money? That's what it is. Yeah. You get all that TV revenue to yourself. You don't have to share it with a Big Ten, uh, you know, a colleague or a, or the a ACC. different ACC colleague, anything. My you gosh. get it all to yourself. So you rather have that or would you rather have a buy in the uh, in the playoff if you make it? If you're Notre Dame, by the way, 
First of all, the ACC is now too tenuous to ever get Notre Dame for football. I thought at one point in time they might be able to do it. That would have been the coup. I think at this point, the next iteration that we see college football morph into happens probably when Notre Dame joins the Big Ten, which may never happen, but it also may get to a point where the landscape shifts so much that a Notre Dame, like in this iteration, Andy, it's, hey, Notre Dame, you're capped out at number five. But what's the next iteration? What happens if at some point Notre Dame says the juice isn't worth the squeeze on this and we're going to make the Big Ten really give us a great deal? But that is that is still the thing that can flip the whole uh, power struggle between the Big Ten and the SEC yeah. in the Big Ten's favor. Don't know that it'll happen, but I do think it's very interesting. And you nailed it, man. It's the It's the money Notre Dame recognizes that for now the juice is worth the squeeze despite this new format maybe not favoring them quite as much. It's fascinating, though, right? Because you you go into the season knowing that you can't finish number one or number two or, or anything like that. Like you have to you have to enter the bracket and you can't be any higher than this number. And I mean, I guess that's kind of the case for some of the G five teams if they're you know gunning for that spot. But I mean, it, theoretically, you could have a G five team that does get that ranking and does get higher than twelve and actually plays well enough to where the committee gives them the respect of, oh, you actually are better than these at-large teams that we're also putting into the field. Right. But, yeah, but, and then all the other independents and FBS that are not named Notre Dame, I mean, there are others out there, no chance whatsoever at all. At all. Yeah, I mean. absolutely 0%. That's, to even make the field, you think? Yeah, you'd have to be a, a top, tw- you have to be a top 11 team. Can you run the table, though? I mean, schedule tough and run the table. Who else is independent? BYU joined a conference. BYU is here. I'll, I'll bring them up. Because uh, it, it's yeah. constantly shifting. What about this? Like, do do we know, is Oregon State, Washington State going to play so they're, each other? Like, what the, are they going to do? So what they're doing, I I think it's the Mountain West. Where the Mountain West is, yeah, they have an agreement where they're playing their football schedule against them. I don't think it counts against the Mountain West for the standings. Uh, standings, yeah. it, it probably counts a little bit more for Oregon State and Washington State. I I forget what it is. Uh, the independents in uh in FBS are Army, UConn, Notre Dame, and uh, and UMass. And and I thought even Army was joining a conference, were they not? Because they were talking of the. Army Navy game is going to now be a conference game, but not count toward the conference standings because it's going to be played on they're that about last to weekend. Be a, still. Yeah, they're about to, I guess, join a conference because they're they're showing up here. Which is another is another weird caveat of this entire. They're joining thing, the Andy. AAC next. There's a world. There could be a world in which let's just say Army Navy are the best two teams in the AAC, and they would be playing in the AAC championship game. And then play each other in the Army Navy game, like it would be. It, and the Army play, Navy game usually happens after the, the championship selection. weekend. That's what I'm saying. So, like, that's bizarre. My point is, they could play each other in consecutive weekends, and only one of them would technically be the Army Navy game. That's what wow. in a in a perfect world where both programs are rocking, that would happen. I guess. So <laughs> I don't know. They're screwing with our college football, Andy. That's what I'm here. They to tell are you definitely today. screwing with our college football. It's not your. Uh... It's not your dad's college football. It's not even your older brother's college football. It's completely changed. 875-KTGR to give us a call or a text. What do you think of today's college football? Is it fair to leave Notre Dame out of the top four just completely because they're not in a conference? Yeah, it's funny. 
<laughs> to some, it is funny. Stephen A. Smith certainly liked it earlier today on first take. Uh, he got to go off on the uh, last time Notre Dame won a championship. But uh, give us your thoughts at 875-KTGR. We'll talk next uh, more about that. Brendan's update from Cardinals camp. And Brian Smith, Mizzou wrestling coach, joins us to talk about his team getting back on track on the road. 545, we'll discuss uh, Mizzou wrestling with the head coach all here on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Why can't we just be happy with 12 teams? 12-team college football playoff. Sources telling Pete Thamel that the management committee tossed around the idea of 14 teams. Man, just let it play out first. They're just tossing it around, Andy. No, I know. It's not happening anytime soon, but... But kind of soon. <laughs> kind of. If, They're if greasing they really the wheels. This gets reported yeah. just so that everybody can we have out. have their fit about it now, and we can talk about it on sports radio, yeah. and then eventually they have to, you know, it's going to happen. I guess that's how it that's how it goes. Rinse, repeat. Just keep on expanding, expand the NCAA tournament, expand, expand this. Expand I'm really not looking forward to that. I'd yeah, rather 14 in playoff for football than whatever 90 or whatever they're going to do for basketball. It's going to ruin the yeah. tournament. Lesser of two evils. Uh, when it comes to oh, that. gosh, that's going to really make me mad when it happens. But well, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. Cardinals' first spring training games are coming soon. This is coming soon. Yeah. Saturday, a couple of uh, split squad games on Saturday. Yeah. Do and, you? Uh, yeah. You want me to go to Port St. Lucie, or should I stay in Jupiter and not drive an hour oh, on Saturday because they're playing two games? I can't I say pick. I've ever been to Port St. Lucie. Uh, it's the windiest town on earth. I can tell you that. Is that right? Yeah, I'm probably going to just stay home. Yeah, stay don't, in Jupiter. Don't go there. Who are they playing? So They're playing the Marlins at, uh, in Jupiter, right? Yeah, it's it's the Marlins. I think the Cardinals are technically the home team. They share the facility with right, the Marlins. Yeah. Home team in Jupiter. Go to go to the Mets on the road. Um, I don't want to drive on that highway, nah, so I'll probably just that. chill. I'm just right. gonna chill. Driving in Florida, it's not fun. No, it's not. It's not a good time. It's really not. No, especially that part of Florida. Yes, right. You, Southern Cal or you, not Southern Cal, Southern Florida. You get mattresses flying off of trucks. Oh, boy. I know this from experience. Oh, man. Yeah, wasn't pretty. No. Not this year, like though. that. Uh, but uh, it, hopefully, so again, these uh, it's both Liberator, Liberator. and uh, Zach, Thompson. Zach Thompson starting yep. these two games. We're talking about uh, those guys maybe be, being next in line if they need to step up if one of the Mid thirties guys has to skip a start. Don't say that with a grin. Why did you? Why did you, you smirk know, when you said I that? Mean, did, we say, just, did we say that last uh, year? What you know about a couple of other like thirty some old guys that they might have to step up and replace? Yeah, well, I don't even think they were thirty, right? Or even younger guys. They needed to make sure they got. Some yeah, I mean, Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty was around. I, I don't know if Montgomery was thirty at the time or not yet. Yeah, maybe. But uh, those guys are gone. Yeah, they've got an old rotation. We know it's guys in like thirty three to thirty six years old. Experience, though, like you can look at that. The flip side of the coin is like, hey, experience is a positive thing because, and, and the Cardinals have have kind of trumpeted this notion of these are guys who can take the ball because they know what is required of you during the rigors of a of a long season, thirty plus starts. Like these guys can do it, but you know they also have to be healthy, and that's not something that's always within their control. So we'll see. I, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting, I think, to to parse out between Libertor. And Zach Thompson, maybe 
what the paths are going to be because you could make a case that the guy that pitches the best should be in the rotation if there's an injury. Or you could make the case that, well, no, the guy that's the best, you need him in your bullpen so you have another good lefty out there to go with JoJo Romero. I don't really know how they're planning to to look at it, Andy. Right now, I don't think they're focused too much on the role aspect of it. They just want to see both guys get outs. But it's going to kind of be interesting to see how that plays out, among other stories at Cardinals camp. Yeah, because, man, again, if you have to have somebody up as a starter, if somebody has to miss, then do you have enough time for that guy to be ready for a start, essentially, for starter workload? Yeah, if, if he's been in the, in the bullpen, bullpen the whole time, right? right? Throughout the season, that's yeah, going to be a challenge. And then, like, you also have, like, what if multiple guys go down? Like, the Cardinals... Pitching depth in the rotation is not really better than it was last year. They honestly they subtracted Changed Dakota guys, Hudson. Right? Yeah. yeah, they subtracted Jake Woodford, and now the guys that are now part of that depth, it's the same guys that were here last year. I think they're just hoping to see a jump from some of the guys that didn't make one a year ago. Like you can think of McGreevy and Graceffo as guys that last year we thought would make a jump. They kind of stalled. We'll see what their springs look like. Uh, Tink Hentz is a guy who was a was a very touted pick in twenty twenty draft. But he was coming out of high school. He threw 96 innings last year. Now it's like, okay, maybe this is the year where Tink Hens, if he's going to be a starter, has to throw 120, 140 innings and start to work his way toward that. You know, we'll see what he looks like when they get into Grapefruit League games. I'm sure they're going to give him some opportunities. It's it's kind of guys like that where, you, you know, Takoa Roby, they acquired at the deadline this past summer. Maybe he's a guy who takes a step forward. They're hoping that some candidates emerge because they got – veterans for the rotation behind that they didn't really add anything they didn't add a swing man they basically said yeah we're hoping our five are going to get us there which look there's a lot of maybes out there but is any of them going to uh, turn into a yes going forward yes you can rely on this guy to uh, uh to join the rotation at some point yes he can uh be a force in the bullpen if you need him to be uh, a lot of questions to be answered there. Uh, Paul here on the KTGR Hotline talking some Cardinals here. Uh, Cardinals spring training about to get underway this weekend. Paul, what's up? Yeah, uh, Brendan, uh, calling about the bullpen. It, uh, wondering if Helsley is the closer and if Geo is in the eighth inning and maybe JoJo in the seventh. The reason I ask is because it seems like when Helsley was injured in the playoffs a couple years ago, he doesn't seem to be the same person, and Geo seemed to have a lot of control issues last year. Yeah, appreciate the call, Paul, here on the big show. Well, I think Geo, they, they're not really looking at him as a closer, per se. I think seventh, eighth inning, view him like a setup man. I think Helsley's the primary closer. I think JoJo Romero from the left side showed that he can close games last year, and so they'll use him in the ninth. I, I think they're comfortable doing that. And maybe, Andy, sometimes it'll depend upon is Helsley – off of a back-to-back where he's obviously not available. Okay, Romero is probably a guy that makes sense that game. Sometimes they could they could oscillate based on the handedness of the batters that are that are in the opposing lineup. Like that could have something to do with it. I think they're comfortable with either of those guys going in the ninth inning. Keep an eye too, though, on the guys they added. Andrew Kittredge, solid arm from the Rays, has experienced pitching in basically every inning throughout a game. He's been an opener. He's been uh, a setup man. Has had a little bit of closing experience. We'll see how he looks when he gets into game action. Same can be said for Keenan Middleton, another guy that they picked up who's got some experience. So I think you look at kind of those five guys, Gio included, as the group that's going to handle 7th, 8th, ninth, and probably only a couple few of them in the ninth inning specifically. But, yeah, like Ryan Helsley's the lead closer. 
And if he can get back to where he was prior to 2023, I mean, he was lights out for much of 2022. And I don't think the injury, like I, I for either him or Gallegos, like I, I think they're both coming into spring looking healthy, and so they're going to be able to contribute uh, in their respective roles. And I think the bullpen could end up being a strength, Andy. Like that's that's got a possibility for this team. Well, I think it was a good reset that the group had in that in that room uh, to, again, bring some ex- experienced guys in to maybe bolster a little bit of that uh, veteran leadership some more, uh, guys that need a change of scenery, uh, give them a flyer and, and see what happens. And, and then, uh, again, you you have guys that you still know have the juice for uh, for those later stages. I mean, with I think discovering JoJo Romero and what he can give to your team yeah. was a huge success of a second half of a Cardinals season that otherwise gave you almost no other reason to uh, to to be optimistic, right, about what could be happening. That was a rare bright spot that they didn't – I'm not going to say they didn't see it coming, but I don't think in the public eye we necessarily expected him to emerge in the way that he did. Like, they got him for Edmundo Sosa, and God bless Edmundo Sosa, but he wasn't – contributing to this team in, in a way that JoJo has uh, certainly a chance to do. I really like JoJo Romero. I think he's solid. Like, I think they've got – you can make the case that, like, not a ton of playoff experience in that bullpen collectively, but, like, guys who – I mean, you've got a, a solid five that have MLB experience and I think have really good stuff and are interesting. And then, like, we're seeing all these live BPs coming through the pike today. guy that I really think is interesting is Riley O'Brien continues to look, like, downright nasty – and I think that's a guy that, if I had to pick it today, probably makes this bullpen. And then, Andy, it could be a conversation between, you know, Libertor or Thompson is one of them going to be fastened as a starter. Maybe they go six starters to begin the year because they have eight games in eight days. The other one goes out of the bullpen. That's another lefty that's got a dynamic arm. And then you're up to seven and basically one more relief spot, whether it's Palante or the, the Rule 5 guy, Ryan Fernandez, like Nick Robertson's in that mix. They've got a lot of different interesting pieces I think the bullpen's going to be a strength of the Cardinals if they remain healthy. That's kind of maybe it's a hot take because the group was kind of so-so last year, but I think if they remain healthy, there is a lot to like about this group. Well, it's a, it could be something that the Cardinals find as a revelation uh, later in the season if if again if they hold up, and we'll probably know pretty early on uh, how those how those guys uh, were able to acclimate to uh, to some of them a new team. But also, uh, how does JoJo Romero respond from uh, kind of uh, breaking out a little bit in the second half of last season? And then Gallegos, is he able to stay consistent? Because it, we we like Gallegos, right? He, he's been mostly consistent, but yeah, it, we know there have been times where he just you know fell apart. And yeah, it would, Last year, the problem for Gio was, like, if he'd give up a home run, you could sit there and go, all right, if he's still going to stay in this inning, he's probably giving up another one. Yeah. Like on the days that he did not have it, boy ever did he not have it. But like that kind of goes to ignore a lot of the outings where he was pretty consistent and solid. And if you just, it's easy to say, take away the bad outings and he was really good. But I think largely he had a better year than maybe the numbers would indicate. And yeah, you've got some power. Like Romero's a dog. Like he's a dude. I think Ryan Helsley is a dude. Um, Cardinal fans are going to like Keenan Middleton. I'm, I don't know if it'll be the best unit on the team. I still think the lineup needs to ultimately be what carries the Cardinals this year, but certainly the bullpen has a chance to surprise some people. Give us your thoughts on the Cardinals, 875-KTGR, as they get spring training games started this weekend. How about Mizzou Wrestling? Two big road wins in conference over last weekend. Brian Smith joins us to talk about them next here on The Big Show.
You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. We're back here on the Big Show, KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app with Andy Brendan and producer Chris. Mizzou Wrestling had a good road trip this past weekend over in the Dakotas. They defeated North Dakota State's 32-6 to on the road and also defeated number 11 South Dakota State's 21-19 to on Sunday as Tiger Style Wrestling enters into the final weekend of the regular season coming up this weekend as they'll take another road trip to Iowa to face two quality opponents and Brian Smith, the head coach of Mizzou Wrestling, joins us now on the big show to talk about it. First coach, uh, before we get to uh, some of the wrestling stuff, wanted to quickly ask you uh, your thoughts about uh, earlier this week, uh, athletic director Desiree Reed francois um, uh, leaving uh, for Arizona, introduced there yesterday. Uh, I guess your reaction and, and your thoughts uh, going forward. You know, it's always surprising because it's in the middle of the school year and then uh, she's only been here a couple of years. So you just, we had all this momentum. I thought some good things were happening and they will continue to happen here at Mizzou. But then when I step back from it, I always remember that this will, this next AD will be my sixth. And well, since I've been here and as far as I can remember, I don't remember any of them scoring a takedown or pinning any opponents. So we're going to be fine. We'll just keep plugging away and doing what we do. And, and I trust you know, President Choi and whoever the committee is going to be, that they're going to hire a quality person. Uh, Mizzou is, you know, unfortunately Desiree left, but it's an SEC school that is, you know, one of the top jobs in the country. That uh, when you look at what our football and our basketball and then the Olympic sports are doing, that it's a it's a destination for somebody that really wants to. And I hope it'll be somebody that really wants to come here and look at it and say, man, Missouri's this great state. They have this one school in the middle of the state that is just an awesome sports program, an awesome academic school, a part of the AAU and, and academics. And and so it's uh, I, I just look at it as, you know, we have an opportunity here to go and get somebody great. For sure. Well said. Appreciate your thoughts on that. Brian Smith, Mizzou Wrestling Coach, uh, with us here on the Big Show KTGR. Uh, to your team, as they, uh, again, grabbed those couple of wins over the weekend, and uh, certainly a very strong weekend, it would seem, from uh, from some of your guys, uh, and, and especially to seal it at the very end uh, uh, against uh, South Dakota State uh, with Zach Elam's uh, pin at the very end of that uh, duel there uh, to get the victory. What did you kind of see from your group uh, on that road trip over overall and how it kind of boosts you forward towards the end of the season here uh we're battling i mean it's it's been really difficult because we've had a few a few of our starters out and and it's just you know injuries and then this week we've just been plagued with the flu so i don't even know who i'm bringing to iowa right now so it it's definitely a challenging time of the season because you want people to get healthy at this point and you want them to be prepared for the Big 12s, which is the way we qualify for the NCAA. So, uh, but it was really good to see Josh, uh, Josh Edmond get into the winning ways again. He beat a, a ranked opponent in his first match, and then beats his guy from South Dakota State. Really important for him because he's lost probably about six or seven one-point matches that he was in to win, and either three or four of them were overtime. Just crazy matches like that. 
that he got the wins this weekend and, you know, going into this next weekend with the Iowa schools, both of his opponents, I think, are ranked in the top 10. So it's good for him to get that confidence. And then Noah Certain continuing, you know, Majors, uh, the 11th ranked kid in the country, doing some, just continues to keep doing good things. And then, you know, we got uh, Rocky was in a battle with the guy he lost to in the semis last year, and he's winning the match with 20 seconds to go in the second period and just makes a mistake and gets caught. And uh, it's unfortunate because he was dominating the match up to that point. But you can step back from it and say, man, those first five, six minutes, he did this great stuff. Let's just focus on that. And when we meet him again, we'll continue it from that point on. And then Zach is, of course, just a stud and went out there and got us a pin when we were down by four. So that was uh, a crazy, like, couple-minute exchange because we're winning a match at 97, and we get pinned, and we look up in the scoreboard, and we're like, man, Zach's going to have to get a tech fall for us to win it. He goes out and pins him in about 30 seconds. So it was a a quick exchange of pin-pin for both teams, but we walked away with a win. Yeah, sure was a big swing there. Uh, and Zach Elam, a big part of sealing it for you guys, of course. Uh, Brian Smith, Mizzou wrestling coach here on the big show, KTGR. And you talk about some of those guys and the, and the challenges that they're having against, uh, guys that are in the top 10. And, uh, you're, they're getting those late challenges that really prepares them for, uh, as you're mentioning, uh, the, the big 12s would be important to, to give yourself as good of a chance to, uh, to get points in the national championship right after that. So uh, with these, uh, late season challenges that you have what are the ways that uh, they try to approach that when they know they could be seeing this same guy very soon afterward right as they're facing him here in the regular season it's what i always talk about they you know you can't worry about who you're wrestling you gotta worry about how you're wrestling and you know focus on their game plan what they're executing and and, you know, we had that at a Rocky, but then he had a, a slip up and he makes a mistake where, uh, you know, when you watch a Keegan O'Toole, he doesn't make too many mistakes. He'll say he does, but he's out there wrestling and scoring points. I think he had a tech fall and a pin this weekend. And uh, we were trying to sit him to give him a rest, but it was, uh, you know, we just, we needed him in both matches. And uh, as it turns out, he just goes out and dominates. And so, need those guys to focus on what they do best and execute it. And when they do that, we have a really good team. I just got to get some of the unhealthy and guys healthy and guys that are sick, get them healthy and uh, have that team ready for the big 12s. Brian Smith, Mizzou wrestling coach with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. So, Again, uh, it, you know, barring whatever uh, health-wise, what your team might look like going into these next couple of duels that you'll have to close out the regular season at number seventeen, Northern Iowa on Friday night, and that at number four, Iowa State, which is always a really electric matchup. That'll be on Sunday afternoon. Uh, just what are you maybe expecting uh, from from both of those uh, very familiar opponents to you? As uh, again, towards the regular season, you try and get guys as as right as possible. Possible. Uh, both teams are really good. They're crazy physical. They're going to come at you, and uh, it'll be you know big crowds at both of them. The they, passionate fan bases. Uh, from what I've hear, heard, that Iowa State's going to have six, seven thousand there. So it's going to be a big, big crowd. Of course, for the uh, fourth time that Carr and O'Toole will wrestle. So that's always that's already being talked about nationally. Uh, so it'll it'll be there'll be some big highlights to it, but 
we we know what we're going into. We've been up there before, so it's. I just I'm just trying to figure out the lineup I'm bringing. <laughs> it's getting on the bus tomorrow, so we'll just see about that. I got to get some people healthy, and I just you know we have just the flu is a is a pain. I, I don't like it, but it's it's definitely affected our our team this week. Yeah, it's it's tough to deal with. That's for sure. And, and again, you kind of mentioned it there. The matchup between. Keegan O'Toole and David Carr and the number of times that they had already meeting up in some uh, high-profile matches. They met up in the Big 12s. They met up in the national championships. Of course, Keegan got the one that mattered uh, in the in the national championships uh, last year. But just, uh, again, when it, it gets to be, uh, there get to be so many more eyeballs on that one matchup, and uh, and you're trying to tell Keegan like uh, what, what to kind of expect this time around. Uh, is there even something that you even say, or does he just take it and run with it and, and you don't have to say much. He's prepared. I mean, he knows, you know, we've watched film on car, but it's more of what we're going to be doing. And Keegan's got to go execute the game plan. And he knows that, you know, and his losses last year to car, he made mistakes. He was trying to, you know, get roles and stuff when, after he got taken down instead of getting out and how important that like when he in the national finals, getting that first takedown and getting on top and having the opportunity on top where he eventually did take them down and turn them. So it's, you know, sticking with that game plan. But, you know, Carr's going to be coming in a little bit better. We're going to be coming in. So it's just the anticipation of two great warriors going out there. And, you know, both of them have won national titles and that uh, they're looking for, you know, they're two of the, you know, high level, probably two of the top two wrestlers, you know, there's some other guys from Penn State that are up there too, but two at the same weight that are going to go at it. That it's the person, the group that gets the best of this is the fans. Wrestling fans get to enjoy when you have two amazing athletes and wrestlers that are just hardly ever make mistakes going out there and battling, and they do, and they lay it on the line. It's definitely fun to watch, so we'll be looking forward to that this Sunday as Mizzou takes on uh, Iowa State at Iowa State on Sunday afternoon. And then before that, uh, they'll take on Northern Iowa uh, on Friday night to close out the regular season with those two duels. And then it'll be uh, the Big 12 championships in Tulsa soon afterward. Brian Smith, Mizzou wrestling coach here on the Big Show KTGR. Great to chat with you again, Coach. Thanks for taking the time today. Safe travels up to Iowa. Hope everyone uh, gets as healthy as possible as well, and we'll talk again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Annie.